Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Last night we discussed darkness and light. We see a continuation of that in the uh, message that we have today. Isaiah uh, prophesied in the incarnation, which we read last night, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And now we have these two lessons from Hebrews and from 1 John that dot every I and cross every T to make sure that it is crystal clear that there be no confusion about who Jesus Christ is. Um, It should be known. Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. God the Son took upon himself human flesh and tabernacled with us. The word that's used in the ESV is dwelt, but it's tabernacled. He, He tabernacled with us. As God is eternal and Jesus Christ is God, Jesus Christ is eternal, eternally begotten, Son of the Father. He is the true light, and yet the world did not see the light. This is another issue that we, that we have, that uh, the irony to think about it, that Jesus Christ, and, and it's expressed right there in, in John's first chapter there, that he was the creator of everything that is, that is made. You know, he's the creator of the world, and yet the world would not receive him, did not recognize him. But to those who do see, to those who do see who he is, they are the children of God. Uh, Through Jesus, we have received grace upon grace. The law came from Moses, but grace and truth has come through Jesus Christ. All of this, which is familiar to all of us. I mean, we've heard this. Um, But what I want to do is reflect upon this and upon this question that I'll take from uh, the prophet Micah. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant remnant of his inheritance? I mean, I know Christmas, the season of Advent coincides with like the secular season of Christmas, right? (laughs) But we've done our best to maintain Advent as a penitential season, a season of reflection. And it's meant to be a season where where we slow down. But because of the secular influence of, you know, the rush of Christmas to buy presents and just to be, you know, ready for for Christmas and all that, it's just a very busy time. But then we hit now, like between Christmas and New Year's and a lot of things do slow down. Places are not, uh, you know, a lot, of, um, a lot of places just shut down for the week. A lot of people take off the week. Um, it's a perfect time at, the, at this time of the year to slow down and to reflect and to think about the uh, past year, to think about the year that is coming. And... At this time when we slow down and reflect, I think this is the question that we should be looking at. Who is a God like you? Who is a God like the one true God? 
the God that we worship. I mean, for one thing, Jesus rose from the dead. Well, Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon cult, is dead and buried. And Muhammad, the uh, 7th century Joseph Smith, uh, who fabricated his own uh, religion, is dead and buried. And Buddha is dead. And you name it. There's been many cults over the years that have formed, many false religions, and their founders are dead and buried. But Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, a testimony to the truth of who he is. Secondly, he performed miracles, demonstrating his divinity. Of course, rising from the dead is, and raising the dead absolutely demonstrated his superiority and his uh, command over creation. He fulfilled messianic prophecies. The prophets spoke of his coming, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, But then there's a passage that says, out of Egypt I have called my servant. Well, how's that going to work if he's born in Bethlehem? Oh, but he had to flee and go to Egypt because Herod was going to kill every newborn child. So Joseph was warned in a dream. Flee, take the family and go to Egypt. So, so he did come up out of Egypt. So there's these prophecies that he fulfilled that further reinforces and demonstrates that he is who he is. And when I say that he fulfilled prophecy, don't misunderstand. Jesus did not come and fill the shoes of, of some character that was foretold. That's, that's not the way John is presenting him. Jesus Christ is the eternal Lagos, the eternal word. The prophecies, along with the messianic figures that we see in the Old Testament, figures that we look at and they are a picture of Christ, for example. Um, The sacrificial system in in its entirety. These were types and shadows, but the substance all belongs to Christ. I want to give you a quote from the Concordia Commentary series on John. This was written by William Weinrich. Jesus is the locus of the divine glory and the personal reality of the new Torah. Thus, he is greater than the tent of meeting, greater than the temple, and greater than Moses. He is the final and perfect revelation of God and brings in perfection what the previous instruments of grace only intimated and foretold. Yes, Jesus is the substance of all of this. But all of this is or can sound and feel academic. And that's why I want to go back to this question. Who is a God like you? For reflection, who is a God like ours? Because, yes, he's the creator of everything. Yes, he's all-powerful. Yes, he even has power over life and death. But what does he do with his power? What is it that Jesus Christ does? 
He says, I will suffer the shame, the indignation, the humility, all of the things, all of the works that you have wrought that I, me, not Jesus, me, past, the pastor here, all of the works that I have wrought, which are filthy garments before the Lord. Even when we're trying to do good, we fail. And Jesus, God in Jesus Christ says, I will redeem you. You are a people that's worthy to me to be redeemed. Not not because of who you are, but because of who I am. And that helps us get to this question of who is a God like our God? Reflect on this. Think about this. Spend this next week thinking about this, especially as we have some, some quiet time, some peace, you know, less distractions from work and so forth. Just think about this. Who is a God like ours? Because what Jesus Christ did, he did for you and for me. The, uh, just like we talked about the sign, you know, when, when uh, God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, said to Ahaz, uh, behold, I give you a sign. I will give you a sign. Uh, behold, the virgin shall conceive. Well, that's a sign because it's not something that ordinarily happens. Virgins don't conceive children. So that was a sign. Well, in just the same way, there is something profound and extraordinary that happens in this, in this exchange that we have with God. Who is a God like this that he says, I'll take all of the bad. No, no, you don't need to serve me. I'm here to serve you. What God does this? The one true God, that's who does this. You don't need to serve me. I am here to serve you. That's what Jesus, that's what God in Jesus Christ is doing for the world, is serving his creature. Maybe this sounds scandalous. I mean, certainly to some people, this does sound scandalous. Look at all of the works righteousness brands of Christianity there are. We need to be serving God. Or, you know, people that will, you know, whip themselves and, you know, I need to get up and go to church because this is my worship of God and I'm serving God. No, no. That's God-pleasing and God-honoring because God loves to look and see your faith and to know that you, are, that you are his beloved children and to know that you know it. And so in faith, you turn to him. And, and what do you do? Receive his gifts. You receive his word. You think about what, his word. You think about and you reflect. Who is a God like our God who lives to make intercession for us, sinners, 
and how peculiar to the outside world that they should look, that they should stumble into a church like this. And right off the bat, we come in here and we confess, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Forgive me. But why do we do that right out of the gate? Because that's what prepares us for worship. It's the, it's the tax collector who said, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God said, you are prepared and ready now to receive the gifts that I give you, that I freely give you. Who is a God like you? Reflect on that. Think about that. Who is a God that comes to us in his word, that comes to us in the ordinary elements of the sacrament, working forgiveness? I know it's foolishness to the world, but this is the, this is the difference between light and, light and dark. The people who walk in darkness refuse to see the light suppress the truth in unrighteousness. But to you, to us, as John says in his gospel, we have been given the right to be children of God. Rest in that security and be grateful for it and thankful for it and cry out to God. Who is a God like you? There is no other. In you alone will I trust. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.